0: part one section five of the description of a new world called the blazing world by margaret cavendish duchess of newcastle this librivox recording is in the public domain then she asked whether the different shapes and sorts of vehicles made the souls and other immaterial spirits miserable or blessed the vehicles answered they make them neither better nor worse for though some vehicles sometimes may have power over others yet these by turns may get some power again over them according to the several advantages and disadvantages of particular natural parts the empress asked further whether animal life came out of the spiritual world and did return thither again the spirits answered they could not exactly tell but if it were so then certainly animal lives must leave their bodies behind them otherwise the bodies would make the spiritual world a mixed world that is partly material and partly immaterial but the truth is said they spirits being immaterial cannot properly make a world for a world belongs to material not to immaterial creatures if this be so replied the empress then certainly there can be no world of lives and forms without matter no answered the spirits nor a world of matter without lives and forms for natural lives and forms cannot be immaterial no more than matter can be immovable and therefore natural lives forms and matter are inseparable then the empress asked whether the first man did feed on the best sorts of the fruits of the earth and the beasts on the worst the spirits answered that unless the beasts of the field were barred out of manured fields and gardens they would pick and choose the best fruits as well as men and you may plainly observe it said they in squirrels and monkeys how they are the best choosers of nuts and apples and how birds do pick and feed in the most delicious fruits and worms on the best roots and most savoury herbs by which you may see that those creatures live and feed better than men do except you will say that artificial cookery is better and more wholesome than the natural again the empress asked whether the first man gave names to all the several sorts of fishes in the sea and fresh waters no answered the spirits for he was an earthly and not a watery creature and therefore could not know the several sorts of fishes why replied the empress he was no more an airy creature than he was a watery one and yet he gave names to several sorts of fowls and birds of the air fowls answered they are partly airy and partly earthly creatures not only because they resemble beasts and men in their flesh but because their rest and dwelling-places are on earth for they build their nests lay their eggs and hatch their young not in the air but on the earth then she asked whether the first man did give names to all the various sorts of creatures that live on the earth yes answered they to all those that were presented to him or he had knowledge of that is to all the prime sorts but not to every particular for of mankind said they there were but two at first and as they did increase so did their names but said the empress who gave the names to the several sorts of fish the posterity of mankind answered they Then she inquired whether there were no more kinds of creatures now than at the first creation. They answered that there were no more nor fewer kinds of creatures than there are now, but there are without question more particular sorts of creatures now than there were then. She asked again whether all those creatures that were in paradise were also in Noah's ark. They answered that the principal kinds had been there but not the particulars then she would fain know how it came that both spirits and men did fall from a blessed into so miserable a state and condition as they are now in the spirits answered by disobedience the empress asked whence this disobedient sin did proceed but the spirits desired the empress not to ask them any such questions because they went beyond their knowledge Then she begged the spirits to pardon her presumption, for, said she, it is the nature of mankind to be inquisitive. Natural desire of knowledge, answered the spirits, is not blamable, so you do not go beyond what your natural reason can comprehend. Then I'll ask no more, said the empress, for fear I should commit some error. But one thing I cannot but acquaint you withal. What is that? said the spirits. I have a great desire, answered the empress, to make a Kabbalah what kind of kabbalah asked the spirits the empress answered the jews kabbalah no sooner had the empress declared her mind but the spirits immediately disappeared out of her sight which startled the empress so much that she fell into a trance wherein she lay for some while at last being come to herself again she grew very studious and considering with herself what might be the cause of this strange disaster conceived at first that perhaps the spirits were tired of hearing and giving answers to her questions but thinking by herself that spirits could not be tired she imagined that this was not the true cause of their disappearing till after diverse debates with her own thoughts she did verily believe that the spirits had committed some fault in their answers and that for their punishment they were condemned to the lowest and darkest vehicles this belief was so fixed in her mind that it put her into a very melancholic humour and then she sent for both her fly men and worm men and declared to them the cause of her sadness tis not so much said she the vanishing of those spirits that makes me melancholic but that i should be the cause of their miserable condition and that those harmless spirits should for my sake sink down into the black and dark abyss of the earth the worm-men comforted the empress telling her that the earth was not so horrid a dwelling as she did imagine for said they not only all minerals and vegetables but several sorts of animals can witness that the earth is a warm fruitful quiet safe and happy habitation and though they want the light of the sun yet are they not in the dark but there is light even within the earth by which those creatures do see that dwell therein this relation settled her majesty's mind a little but yet she being desirous to know the truth where and in what condition those spirits were commanded both the fly and worm men to use all labor and industry to find them out whereupon the worm men straight descended into the earth and the fly men ascended into the air after some short time the worm men returned and told the empress that when they went into the earth they inquired of all the creatures they met withal whether none of them had perceived such or such spirits until at last coming to the very centre of the earth they were truly informed that those spirits had stayed some time there but at last were gone to the antipodes on the other side of the terrestrial globe diametrically opposite to theirs the fly-men seconded the worm-men assuring her majesty that their relation was very true for said they we have rounded the earth and just when we came to the antipodes we met those spirits in a very good condition and acquainted them that your majesty was very much troubled at their sudden departure and feared they should be buried in the darkness of the earth Whereupon the spirits answered us, that they were sorry for having occasioned such sadness and trouble in your majesty, and desired us to tell your majesty that they feared no darkness, for their vehicles were of such a sort of substance as cat's eyes, glow-worms, tails, and rotten wood, carrying their light along with them, and that they were ready to do your majesty what service they could in making your cabala at which relation the empress was exceedingly glad and rewarded both her fly and worm men bountifully after some time when the spirits had refreshed themselves in their own vehicles they sent one of their nimblest spirits to ask the empress whether she would have a scribe or whether she would write the Kabbalah herself the empress received the proffer which they made her with all civility and told them that she desired a spiritual scribe the spirits answered that they could dictate but not write except they put on a hand or arm or else the whole body of man the empress replied how can spirits arm themselves with gauntlets of flesh as well answered they as man can arm himself with a gauntlet of steel if it be so said the empress then i will have a scribe then the spirits asked her whether she would have the soul of a living or a dead man why said the empress can the soul quit a living body and wander or travel abroad yes answered they for according to plato's doctrine there is a conversation of souls and the souls of lovers live in the bodies of their beloved then i will have answered she the soul of some ancient writer either of aristotle pythagoras plato epicurus or the like the spirits answered that those famous men were very learned subtle and ingenious writers but they were so wedded to their own opinions that they would never have the patience to be scribes then said she i'll have the soul of one of the most famous modern writers as either of galileo gassendus descartes helmont hobbes h moore etc the spirits answered that they were fine ingenious writers but yet so self-conceited that they would scorn to be scribes to a woman but said they there is a lady the duchess of newcastle which although she is not one of the most learned eloquent witty and ingenious yet she is a plain and rational writer for the principle of her writings is sense and reason and she will without question be ready to do you all the service she can that lady then said the empress will i choose for my scribe neither will the emperor have reason to be jealous she being one of my own sex in truth said the spirit husbands have reason to be jealous of platonic lovers for they are very dangerous as being not only intimate and close but subtle and insinuating you say well replied the empress wherefore i pray send me the duchess of newcastle's soul which the spirit did, and after she came to wait on the empress, at her first arrival the empress embraced and saluted her with a spiritual kiss. Then she asked her whether she could write. Yes, answered the duchess's soul, but not so intelligibly that any reader whatsoever may understand it, unless he be taught to know my characters, for my letters are rather like characters than well-formed letters. Said the empress, you were recommended to me by an honest and ingenious spirit surely answered the duchess the spirit is ignorant of my handwriting the truth is said the empress he did not mention your handwriting but he informed me that you write sense and reason and if you can but write so then any of my secretaries may learn your hand they shall write it out fair and intelligible the duchess answered that she questioned not but it might easily be learned in a short time but said she to the empress what is it that your majesty would have written she answered, the Jew's Kabbalah. Then your only way for that is, said the Duchess, to have the soul of some famous Jew. Nay, if your majesty please, I scruple not, but you may as easily have the soul of Moses as of any other. That cannot be, replied the Empress, for no mortal knows where Moses is. But, said the Duchess, human souls are immortal however if this be too difficult to be obtained you may have the soul of one of the chief rabbis or sages of the tribe of levi who will truly instruct you in that mystery when as otherwise your majesty will be apt to mistake and a thousand to one will commit gross errors no said the empress for i shall be instructed by spirits alas said the duchess spirits are as ignorant as mortals in many cases for no created spirits have a general or absolute knowledge nor can they know the thoughts of men much less the mysteries of the great creator unless he be pleased to inspire into them the gift of divine knowledge then i pray said the empress let me have your counsel in this case the duchess answered if your majesty will be pleased to hearken to my advice i would desire you to let that work alone for it will be of no advantage either to you or your people unless you were of the jews religion nay if you were the vulgar interpretation of the holy scripture would be more instructive and more easily believed than your mystical way of interpreting it for had it been better and more advantageous for the salvation of the jews surely moses would have saved the after ages that labour by his own explanation he being not only a wise but a very honest zealous and religious man wherefore the best way said she is to believe with the generality the literal sense of the scripture and not to make interpretations every one according to his own fancy but to leave that work for the learned or those that have nothing else to do neither do i think said she that god will damn those that are ignorant therein or suffer them to be lost for want of a mystical interpretation of the scripture then said the empress i'll leave the scripture and make a philosophical kabbalah the duchess told her that sense and reason would instruct her of a nature as much as could be known and as for numbers they were infinite but to add nonsense to infinite would breed a confusion especially in human understanding Then, replied the empress, I'll make a moral Kabbalah. The only thing, answered the duchess, in morality, is but to fear God and to love his neighbor, and this needs no further interpretation. But then I'll make a political Kabbalah, said the empress. The duchess answered, That the chief and only ground in government was but reward and punishment, and required no further Kabbalah. But, said she, if your majesty were resolved to make a Kabbalah, i would advise you rather to make a poetical or romantical Kabbalah, wherein you may use metaphors allegories similitudes etc and interpret them as you please with that the empress thanked the duchess and embracing her soul told her she would take her counsel She made her also her favourite, and kept her some time in that world, and by this means the duchess came to know and give this relation of all that passed in that rich, populous, and happy world. And after some time the empress gave her leave to return to her husband and kindred into her native world, but upon condition that her soul should visit her now and then, which she did, and truly their meeting did produce such an intimate friendship between them that they became platonic lovers although they were both females. One time, when the duchess her soul was with the empress, she seemed to be very sad and melancholy, at which the empress was very much troubled, and asked her the reason of her melancholic humor. Truly, said the duchess to the empress, for between dear friends there's no concealment, they being like several parts of one united body, my melancholy proceeds from an extreme ambition. The empress asked what the height of her ambition was the duchess answered that neither she herself nor no creature in the world was able to know either the height depth or breadth of her ambition but said she my present desire is that i would be a great princess the empress replied so you are for you are a princess of the fourth or fifth degree for a duke or duchess is the highest title or honor that a subject can arrive to as being the next to a king's title and as for the name of a prince or princess it belongs to all that are adopted to the crown so that those that can add a crown to their arms are princes and therefore a duke is a title above a prince for example the duke of savoy the duke of florence the duke of lorraine as also king's brothers are not called by the name of princes but dukes this being the higher title tis true answered the duchess unless it be king's eldest sons and they are created princes. Yes, replied the empress, but no sovereign does make a subject equal to himself, such as kings' eldest sons partly are. And although some dukes be sovereigns, yet I have heard that a prince by his title is sovereign, by reason the title of a prince is more a title of honor than of sovereignty. For, as I said before, it belongs to all that are adopted to the crown. "'Well,' said the Duchess, "'setting aside this dispute, my ambition is that I would fain be as you are, that is, an empress of a world, and I shall never be at quiet until I be one.' "'I love you so well,' replied the Empress, that I wish with all my soul you had the fruition of your ambitious desire, and I shall not fail to give you my best advice how to accomplish it.' The best informers are the immaterial spirits, and they'll soon tell you, whether it be possible to obtain your wish. But, said the Duchess, I have little acquaintance with them, for I never knew any before the time you sent for me. They know you, replied the Empress, for they told me of you, and were the means and instrument of your coming hither. Wherefore I'll confer with them, and inquire whether there be not another world whereof you may be Empress, as well as I am of this no sooner had the empress said this but some immaterial spirits came to visit her of whom she inquired whether there were but three worlds in all to wit the blazing world where she was in the world which she came from and the world where the duchess lived the spirits answered that there were more numerous worlds than the stars which appeared in those three mentioned worlds then the empress asked whether it was not possible that her dearest friend the duchess of newcastle might be empress of one of them although there be numerous nay infinite worlds answered the spirits yet none is without government but is none of these worlds so weak said she that it may be surprised or conquered the spirits answered that lucian's world of lights had been for some time in a snuff but of late years one Helmont had got it, who, since he was emperor of it, had so strengthened the immortal parts thereof with mortal outworks, as it was, for the present, impregnable. Said the empress, If there be such an infinite number of worlds, I am sure, not only my friend the duchess, but any other might obtain one. Yes, answered the spirits, if those worlds were uninhabited, but they are as populous as this your majesty governs why said the empress it is not possible to conquer a world no answered the spirits but for the most part conquerors seldom enjoy their conquest for they being more feared than loved most commonly come to an untimely end if you will but direct me said the duchess to the spirits which world is easiest to be conquered her majesty will assist me with means and i will trust to fate and fortune for i had rather die in the adventure of noble achievements than live in obscure and sluggish security since that by one i may live in a glorious fame and by the other i am buried in oblivion the spirits answered that the lives of fame were like other lives for some lasted long and some died soon tis true said the duchess but yet the shortest lived fame lasts longer than the longest life of man but replied the spirits if occasion does not serve you you must content yourself to live without such achievements that may gain you a fame but we wonder proceeded the spirits that you desire to be empress of a terrestrial world whenas you can create yourself a celestial world if you please what said the empress can any mortal be a creator yes answered the spirits for every human creature can create an immaterial world fully inhabited by immaterial creatures and populous of immaterial subjects such as we are and all this within the compass of the head or skull nay not only so but he may create a world of what fashion and government he will and give the creatures thereof such motions figures forms colors perceptions etc as he pleases and make whirlpools lights pressures and reactions etc as he thinks best nay he may make a world full of veins muscles and nerves and all these to move by one jolt or stroke also he may alter that world as often as he pleases or change it from a natural world to an artificial he may make a world of ideas a world of atoms a world of lights or whatsoever his fancy leads him to and since it is in your power to create such a world what need you to venture life reputation and tranquillity to conquer a gross material world for you can enjoy no more of a material world than a particular creature is able to enjoy which is but a small part considering the compass of such a world and you may plainly observe it by your friend the empress here which although she possesses a whole world yet enjoys she but a part thereof neither is she so much acquainted with it that she knows all the places countries and dominions she governs the truth is a sovereign monarch has the general trouble but the subjects enjoy all the delights and pleasures in parts for it is impossible that a kingdom nay a country should be enjoyed by one person at once except he take the pains to travel into every part and endure the inconveniencies of going from one place to another wherefore since glory delight and pleasure lives but in men's opinions and can neither add tranquillity to your mind nor give ease to your body why should you desire to be empress of a material world and be troubled with the cares that attend government WHEN AS BY CREATING A WORLD WITHIN YOURSELF, YOU MAY ENJOY ALL BOTH IN WHOLE AND IN PARTS, WITHOUT CONTROL OR OPPOSITION, AND MAY MAKE WHAT WORLD YOU PLEASE AND ALTER IT WHEN YOU PLEASE, AND ENJOY AS MUCH PLEASURE AND DELIGHT AS A WORLD CAN AFFORD YOU. YOU HAVE CONVERTED ME, SAID THE Duchess TO THE SPIRITS, FROM MY AMBITIOUS DESIRE. WHEREFORE I'LL TAKE YOUR ADVICE, REJECT AND DESPISE ALL THE WORLDS WITHOUT ME, AND CREATE A WORLD OF MY OWN the empress said if i do make such a world then i shall be mistress of two worlds one within and the other without me that your majesty may said the spirits and so left these two ladies to create two worlds within themselves who did also part from each other until such time as they had brought their worlds to perfection the duchess of newcastle was most earnest and industrious to make her world because she had none at present and first she resolved to frame it according to the opinion of thales But she found herself so much troubled with demons that they would not suffer her to take her own will, but forced her to obey their orders and commands, which she being unwilling to do, left off from making a world that way, and began to frame one according to Pythagoras's doctrine, but in the creation thereof she was so puzzled with numbers how to order and compose the several parts that she having no skill in arithmetic was forced also to desist from the making of that world then she intended to create a world according to the opinion of plato but she found more trouble and difficulty in that than in the two former for the numerous ideas having no other motion but what was derived from her mind whence they did flow and issue out made it a far harder business to her to impart motion to them than puppet players have in giving motion to every several puppet insomuch that her patience was not able to endure the trouble which these ideas caused her wherefore she annihilated also that world and was resolved to make one according to the opinion of epicurus which she had no sooner begun but the infinite atoms made such a mist that it quite blinded the perception of her mind neither was she able to make a vacuum as a receptacle for those atoms or a place which they might retire into so that partly for the want of it and of a good order and method the confusion of those atoms produced such strange and monstrous figures as did more affright than delight her and caused such a chaos in her mind as had almost dissolved it at last having with much ado cleansed and cleared her mind of these dusty and misty particles she endeavoured to create a world according to aristotle's opinion but remembering that her mind as most of the learned hold it was immaterial and that according to aristotle's principle out of nothing nothing could be made she was forced also to desist from that work and then she fully resolved not to take any more patterns from the ancient philosophers but to follow the opinions of the moderns and to that end she endeavoured to make a world according to descartes opinion But when she had made the ethereal globules and set them a-moving by a strong and lively imagination, her mind became so dizzy with their extraordinary swift turning round that it almost put her into a swoon, for her thoughts but their constant tottering did so stagger as if they had all been drunk, wherefore she dissolved that world, and began to make another according to Hobbes' opinion but when all the parts of this imaginary world came to press and drive each other they seemed like a company of wolves that worry sheep or like so many dogs that hunt after hares and when she found a reaction equal to those pressures her mind was so squeezed together that her thoughts could neither move forward nor backward which caused such a horrible pain in her head that although she had dissolved that world yet she could not without much difficulty settle her mind and free it from that pain which those pressures and reactions had caused in it at last when the duchess saw that no patterns would do her any good in the framing of her world she resolved to make a world of her own invention and this world was composed of sensitive and rational self-moving matter indeed it was composed only of the rational which is the subtlest and purest degree of matter for as the sensitive did move and act both to the perceptions and consistency of the body so this degree of matter at the same point of time for though the degrees are mixed yet several parts may move several ways at one time did move to the creation of the imaginary world which world after it was made appeared so curious and full of variety so well ordered and wisely governed that it cannot possibly be expressed by words nor the delight and pleasure which the duchess took in making this world of her own in the meantime the empress was also making and dissolving several worlds in her own mind and was so puzzled that she could not settle in any of them wherefore she sent for the duchess who being ready to wait on the empress carried her beloved world along with her and invited the empress's soul to observe the frame order and government of it her majesty was so ravished with the perception of it that her soul desired to live in the duchess's world but the duchess advised her to make such another world in her own mind for said she your majesty's mind is full of rational corporeal motions and the rational motions of my mind shall assist you by the help of sensitive expressions with the best instructions they are able to give you end of part one section five